We're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. A quarter million dollars of credit card I debt. I still remember the day when no one turned out. Throw it in the garbage and start from I scratch. could give myself a chance, so I started something. I mean, I think that counts as from poop to gold. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. This is From Poop to Gold. I'm Daniel Harmon, Chief Creative Officer at Harmon Brothers. I'm Benton Crane, CEO at Harmon Brothers. This is a continuation of a little bit of a series that we're doing that isn't necessarily interviewing entrepreneurs and innovators and creators and those type of people. But this is actually where we're talking with ourselves. In this case, Benton and I are going over some of the insights that we've learned here at Harmon Brothers, some of the lessons that we've learned. A lot of you have actually asked for more of that type of content, and we're going to give it to you. And if you like it, we'll give you more. So hopping right into it. Benton and I, as we, as we mentioned in a previous episode, um, Benton and I have been getting into LinkedIn, and uh, Benton posts some articles there. He posted a series of articles recently on Tesla. It was a series of three articles, mm-hmm. and uh, you're a bit of a car nut, right? <laughs> a bit, yeah. So give, give some people some context on like, where your love of cars comes sure, from. Sure, sure. So uh, I think even before that, like, it's important to give context that part of what makes Harmon Brothers Harmon Brothers is that we try so hard to be passionate about the work that we do. And so to that end, we're always trying to make sure that we're working on projects that mean so much to us, right? Yep. And and so like you mentioned, I've been a car nut for a lot of years. I think it started when I was like 11 years old. Um, I... I found a motor trend in the doctor's office and pulled out, you know, the little postcard from the inside the magazine and filled out my name and address and everything on it and I sent it in. And uh, so Motor Trend magazine started showing up to our house. My parents were like, "Where are these coming from? They had my name on them." So did you have to pay for it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I had a checking account and I had to write out a check and and send that in. You might have been the one that turned me on to Motor Trend because I subscribed to Motor Trend for a while, not that young. But I did. It, it's a possibility. So Daniel and I are cousins. We mm-hmm. we grew up together. Yeah. Um, but I read every issue of Motor Trend magazine from front cover to back cover from the time I was 11 years old up until I think the time I was 19 years old. So there was like a full decade where I just just absorbed those suckers. In fact, to this day, I still have all those magazines in a Rubbermaid oh, tub. Oh, my word. Yeah, and, I, got, uh, I got rid of them. You're more <laughs> hardcore than I am. <laughs> my uh, my wife, uh, every time we move or every time we're reorganizing, she sees that bin. Can we get rid of this? And I'm like, no, those are my magazines. <laughs> but anyways, um, so I I got into working on cars. I bought and sold cars. and This is where we differed. You actually got your hands dirty and worked on cars. And I was like, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just, I, I just loved everything about it, and I ended up studying it in, in college. So I got my associate's degree in automotive technology. I got into like competing in, in automotive repair. I went to, and did really well, right? Yeah, I, I went to a state competition in Utah, and I won the state competition. They sent me out to Kansas City, Missouri for a national competition, and I got second place in the nation. And so I won like this. As a mechanic. Yeah, as a as a as a as a motorhead. So, <laughs> so I awesome. I got like this cool you know toolbox full of snap-on tools and everything, which for you know for a car guy that that was really meaningful. 
Um, What's so interesting is your interest was around like the mechanics of things, and I think um, so much of like the technical aspect. My interest was all on like the flash. <laughs> the art. So it was very much on the art side of things. Yeah. My interest in cars was very much about the industrial design. Yep. The design of it, and then also like. Um, like the competitive nature of it, like the, like what, what were the cool little what were the cool little features mm-hmm. and technological innovations they had that way, but then also um, just like the beauty of it of all oh, this thing could go faster than this and that. I mean that I guess there is some crossover there, but but for me it was like cars look so cool mm-hmm. and they feel so cool and there's an, there's an art to them. And then I started having to um, pay for my own cars, and then I quickly <laughs> fell out of love with cars. <laughs> I was like, oh, these things are money pits. <laughs> anyway, um, I think it was probably like the year two thousand. I think it was probably two thousand two thousand one. I wrote a paper for one of my classes where I was trying to dive into this debate of is hydrogen fuel cell cars or battery electric cars going to be the future? And I had done my research and read into it and everything I could understand and I made the prediction that hydrogen fuel cell would be the future. And history has proven that I was very wrong. (laughs) Uh, It's turning out to be battery electric is a much, much better technology. Um, because, you know, the whole cell phone revolution and everything Mm. advanced batteries so far over the past two decades that now, you know, the ability for a battery to store electric is so much more efficient than storing energy in hydrogen and then converting it over to to electricity. Um, But, so, you know, going back two decades... I was already super fascinated about what the future held, you know, what comes after internal combustion engines and what is the next technology that's going to, you know, push the automotive industry further. And and so naturally I've been a big fan of pretty much all of the automakers who were doing something different, you know, starting even back with hybrids, you know, the mm-hmm. um, the Toyota Prius and the Honda Insight, and then... And you own a Prius. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then, uh, <laughs> which is kind of funny, it's not much of a car guy's car, <laughs> but... Um, From that perspective, it is. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the tech behind it is, is, is really impressive tech, and then, of course, um, we're moving from hybrids into pure battery electrics, and so... Um, Brands like Tesla, um, Rivian, um, even um, other others that haven't survived, like Aptera, um, I was really interested in, and I think they're making a comeback if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Oh wow! Um, and and so I just eat this stuff up, and because I'm so passionate about it, I I'm always looking at these companies from a marketing perspective, right? We're marketers, mm-hmm. and that's what we're really good at. And so as I'm kind of looking at, at all these different companies, that's where my mind always goes. Is what type of marketing would I do in that situation? Mm-hmm. How would I approach this? And, and so that's why I ended up writing that three-part series about Tesla because I kind of wanted to share the approach that we would take if we were to market for Tesla, which, let's yep. be honest, that would be a dream, right? Yeah, that'd be awesome. That, that is one of our dream clients. So I kind of started out going down this road of, of first saying that like most people just don't realize how disruptive Tesla is. Most people see it as like, hey, they make these fast, sexy cars that are really cool. They're battery electric. They're good for the environment. But 
I don't get why they can make like one twentieth the number of cars that Ford can make, and yet they're worth more than Ford. Like people are scratching their heads, and there's always like all these critics who are like, it just doesn't make sense. Tesla's overvalued and everything. Just a big bubble, all that. And I don't buy that at all. I actually think Tesla is way more disruptive, way more innovative than what people realize, and I think that it's going to be a much, much bigger company than anyone is wrapping their heads around right now. It may potentially even becoming the biggest or one of the biggest companies in the world. I really think there are that type of trajectory. Yeah, compete with the likes of the Googles, Amazons, Apples, that kind of stuff. Without a doubt. Uh Yeah. So that's kind of the first thing that I go into in in my series is kind of doing a breakdown of why I believe that. Basically what it comes down to is they are disrupting not just one or two industries. They're disrupting like seven, eight, nine industries. And these are all very, very big industries. So it's, it's not just auto manufacturing, you know, the Fords and GMs of the world. It's also automotive distribution. Mm -hmm. It's all the dealership networks, you know, they're disrupting that world. These are all multi-billion dollar industries, right? Um, It's, it's not just, um, it's not just the fact that these are battery electric cars, but they're also building this whole entire network of superchargers. You know, it's this charging network. Imagine if Henry Ford had also built out the whole entire network of gasoline fuel stations. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what what Tesla has done. Mm -hmm. They are hugely disruptive in all these different industries and all these different industries. Are multi-billion dollar industries. Yeah, adding up to, you you know, when you you look across the whole portfolio of what they're touching, this is, you know... Could be trillion dollar stuff. Yeah. Well... And it's interesting that you say this, how disruptive they are and why we're so attracted to Tesla is because one of the big bullet points that we look for in a client as they approach us is how differentiated are they in the market. That's right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that the product or the service is so different in and of itself as much as it has to be different in the mind share of the customer. Meaning you might have several other products or services that are similar but if no one owns that mind share of, of how distinct that is, then there's an opportunity to go after that. And that's one of the things we, we look for in our yeah, clients. Yeah, I, I think another way to say that is that so many people believe that great marketing is going to be their silver bullet. Right. And then there's other people who are like, no, just great products are the silver bullet. As long as you have a great product, you're good. But then both camps end up discovering, usually, where they're like, uh, I'm missing something. This yeah. isn't working, and it's only when you combine the two, the great products with the great marketing, that you know the magic really happens. Yep. And that's and in and, and all the home run hits that you see, that's exactly the combination that we have. Yep. A really great marketing campaign, really great ad campaign and branding, along with a really great product. Yep. And and I mean, to Tesla's credit, it's been really amazing that they have done what they've done and grown to the point that they have with very small marketing efforts Mm -hmm. you know they're kind of an exception to that rule i just stated where you know a great product can carry itself in their case it kind of has because their product has been so awesome that it's caused so many people to write about it and talk about it and um you know all the testers who want to drive it and everything it's really driven their marketing efforts so i personally believe that they're right on the cusp of a big change for for the company and that's that their manufacturing capacity is reaching a point where they're going to be able to manufacture so many cars that they won't be able to sell them all 
without the help of marketing. That's right. And that's just the cars, right? Yeah. There's so much more coming. There's the, um, there's the, the semis. Yeah, the semis, the cyber trucks, the solar, um, the solar roofs, um, the battery packs for the houses, yeah. and, and everything else. And and I personally believe that they are going to need a marketing effort to mm-hmm. grow to, uh, to the levels where they need to reach, and. Um, and so that's kind of like the second series of my art- article is doing a little comparison where, you know, Elon has stated on Twitter that they don't do marketing because they're focused on making great products. Right. And I compare that to what Steve Jobs did at Apple, where I believe he was equally as passionate about making great products, but he also leaned very, very heavily into making great marketing to go along with those great products. Yep. And it was that combination that created, that turned Apple into you know, one of the biggest companies in, in the world. Yep. And, and I think Tesla is rapidly coming up on this point where they're going to need to, to get serious about their marketing. And if we're gonna be perfectly transparent, we have actually fallen into, I think, a little bit of the same trap as Elon, where we always said, okay, as long as we do really great campaigns, that's our product. You that know? was the first five years of our history. That was the first five years of our history. Then we're going to be fine, right? The word will get out, and people will just come to us, and it'll be fine. And, and eventually, there's enough competition and stuff that enters the market. And, and quite honestly, we've educated a lot of the competition on what to do. Um, and we've been totally fine with that because we wanted to push us, right? But at the end of the day, we, we came to a point where we needed to say, we've got to focus a little bit on our own marketing, which is why you and I have been more active on LinkedIn and those types of things, um, in order to really show how we're, how we're different and, and what, really tell our story rather than um, just you know, rely entirely, quote unquote, on our product or our, on our campaigns That's right. to do all that for us. Yeah. So that takes us to... The point of, okay, so we believe Tesla's big. It's going to be a huge deal. We believe they need great marketing. How would we approach it? And I think this is really fun and really fascinating because I believe that if Tesla goes out and looks at kind of the traditional options that are available out in the marketplace, they're going to be faced with kind of decisions between crappy on one side or crappy on the other side for what they need to do. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is the world of marketing and advertising has really kind of lived in two different worlds and two different camps. You basically have your brand camp, you know, that's yep. your, you know, Nike, Coca-Cola, you know, you think about that Red type Bull, of advertising. Yep. Yeah, it's very much Apple. a look, a feel, an emotion. Mm-hmm. So you have this polar opposite camp that's, you know, they're very just focused on the sell the education, the call to action. By now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Call this number, that, that type of thing. And, and those two worlds historically have hated each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you'll get guys in the brand world who will trash on infomercials. Yeah. Oh, gross, disgusting. I would never do that. You yeah. know? And then you get people in the, in the direct response world who trash on branding. Like, oh, it's just wishful thinking. It's just hoping and praying. It's, um, you know, it's not trackable. Yeah, it's expensive, uh, and, yeah. and you'll never see it move the needle until years down the road. You know, right. all the, all these criticisms, and and I think in the case of Tesla, you can take either one of those camps, and let's use an analogy. So 
in the direct response world, that would be the equivalent of Tesla hiring like your used car salesman yeah. who's like shouting up, you know, into the TV really loud and like, hurry and get on down here before the cars are gone, uh, yeah. you know, that, that yeah. type of thing. In and, my in my growing up years, that was Latham Motors. <laughs> <laughs> Back in Twin Falls, Idaho. Yes, I remember it distinctly. <laughs> I never liked it, but I did remember who it was. <laughs> so you've got that world of like, you know, the high pressure shouting and, and all that stuff. And obviously Tesla's never going to go there, right? Mm-hmm. They care way too much about their brand. But then you have the traditional branding world, and you can take a look at what the traditional branding world does for the different car companies. Think about Ford, GM, you know, Toyota, Lincoln, all these different car companies. And think of how little education actually happens in those, in those ads. Yeah, it's very little. I mean, like, oh, cool, it's Matthew McConaughey in a Lincoln, Yeah. you know? I didn't learn anything about the car. I don't know what makes the car special. I don't know what makes it unique. Mm-hmm. I just know that there's Matthew McConaughey in a Lincoln, mm-hmm. and it looks cool and feels cool, so maybe I want a Lincoln. Well, and I think when branding performs at its best, it actually does call out um, a differentiated feature. So, for example, there's the Super Bowl ad of this year. I don't know if you saw it. it. has John Krasinski in it, and it has Chris Evans and some other Bostoners. I don't remember their names, but they, they, the whole joke is basically them talking in really heavy Boston accents. And you can't, can't park that car there kind of a thing. And that's a terrible Boston accent, but you get the idea. And it's just it shows that this little Hyundai uh-huh. will actually park itself with this little feature. So actually, like, they bring in the branding because they're bringing in these big celebrities and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And the, the setting and everything looks... Very professional. It feels feels very nice for Hyundai, but it still is calling out a feature. But that's just, just a single. That's just a single feature. There's only so much you can do in like the space of a thirty seconds or a minute. That's right. And I personally believe that in Tesla's case, there is so much unique and so so many stories to be told behind the scenes about what makes the product special, what makes it unique, what is the impact that it's having on the world. What is, the, uh, what is the impact that it's going to have on your daily commute, on your driving, on, on your carbon footprint? You know, yeah. all of these different elements. There's so, so much, much edu- yeah. education to be had. And, and I think if Tesla just goes the traditional branding route, they're going to miss this opportunity to be able to transmit so much of that education in mass. And, and that's where the type of work that we've been able to do where you can mix these worlds of create a great brand that people love and they trust and they know and they remember with this world of let's educate, let's teach, um, let's overcome concerns, let's give backstory, but we're going to do it while we entertain you, we're going to have fun, the branding is built in there. And I think that that's such a golden opportunity for Tesla to get that right, yep. that they can tell their story in a very fun, engaging, on-brand way and do it without going down that gross road of like, you know, high pressure, yelling into the camera, that type of thing. I think people make buying decisions based on emotion and then they back them up with logic. That's right. And so if you really bring in that branding and make it feel awesome, cool, fun, whatever it is, um, in our case, it would hopefully be funny, you know, in, in, in many cases. But you, you still get all that um, glamour in there. 
And then you bring in all those education elements of like, oh, think of how much more efficient electricity is. Think of how more, how much more convenient this is when you, when you wake up um, every morning to a full tank of gas because your car's mm -hmm. been plugged in. You know, think of how, how, how much more um, safe you're going to be as all these features are coming in, and then that can kind of back up that that uh, emotional cell. The fun thing about going through this exercise with Tesla, right? This was theoretical, but it doesn't matter if you're Tesla or if you're a brand new startup or anyone in between, there's a similar exercise that you need to go through. And that's essentially, you need to recognize that you're on this path from become, you know, you're, you're going from obscure startup where no one knows who you are, no one knows what you do, no one cares anything about you, and you're trying to travel this path to go from that to becoming a trusted brand that people know and they remember, they love. Mm -hmm. And that path is actually, well, it has its differences for each company in each industry. There are a lot of similar points along the way. And so you can learn a lot by looking at what Tesla's roadmap to becoming a household brand looks like. And then you can apply that to whatever company you're working in or whatever startup you're working in. And so for the brand new obscure startup, you know, the, the focus is, is going to be very much on sales, mm -hmm. right? You've got to bring those sales in to keep the lights on, keep payroll, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know. And over time, as the company grows and the revenues grow, they start to be able to transition into more of the branding efforts, mm -hmm. bring in more voice, uh, brand character, brand universe, all of these elements that make it memorable, mm -hmm. make it fun, make it entertaining. And over time, the branding efforts can become a larger and larger portion of the overall mix mm -hmm. until eventually you do reach a point where you become so well-known that branding efforts can drive the whole entire marketing effort. So basically, to kind of summarize this roadmap, what happens is you have someone differentiated that comes into the market. Mm -hmm. They have to educate very heavily in order to get people to buy. As that happens, and they have sales, other people start to notice. Yep. And they say, whoa, there's opportunity here. There's a market for this. And then they start jumping in with copycats, right? Yep. Once those copycats kind of start to catch up, that's when it becomes even more important and I think that's eventually what will happen with Tesla is you'll have another enough other Rivians or whoever it is that will come in and be like oh it's not just the only electrical car out there there's there's other ones you know and then you've got to learn to differentiate more with your branding because over time you won't be able to differentiate as much with your technology and your product I mean Elon has been giving out giving away the patents to um, to the Tesla stuff so he's in, in the same way that we've been basically educating other marketers, advertisers, um, storytellers and stuff on what we do, they're doing that same kind of thing with their patents. And so they're going to create their own competition. It's just going to happen. And at some point, you have to still be able to help the customer know why they are going to emotionally connect with you as opposed to someone else. And so much of that comes down to branding. That's right. Cool. So if you want the deep dive, you can go check out my three-part series um, I posted on LinkedIn, so just connect with me on LinkedIn or follow me on LinkedIn, and then you'll see my articles there, and you can see the, the three-part series on Tesla. 
If you like what we've been talking about and you want to create a marketing roadmap for your business, that's a service that we actually provide for um, clients. If you go to harmanbrothers.com, you can uh, get signed up there and we can take a look at your business, see if that's um, see, see if we're a good fit together. But ultimately, we can help you map out, okay, where are you in your, in your road of growth from startup to kind of a household brand name? And then what are the points, what are the milestones you need to hit in order to get there? And obviously, we provide a lot of services along the way to help with those milestones as well as can connect you with other ones where, where we might not provide that service directly. So anyway, check that out, harmanbrothers.com. Okay. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This has been from Poop to Gold, and we'll see you on the next one.